this is John Walton, voice of the Washington Capitals, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Discovery is one of those shows that I have to be like paying proper attention to. And for a while now, my brain has just sort of been like, uh, you know, on a, you know, let's put on something in the background and fuck with your phone. Ah, yeah. And so I've been avoiding like, I don't want to say like serious dramas, uh, but basically anything that requires like proper attention. So I got... That makes sense because that's the same reason that I haven't started watching um, that. What's the fucking Korean show that everybody's losing their mind over? Um, Squid Game. Game? Yeah, I haven't I haven't started it because I don't I can't give the full attention that it deserves, if that makes sense, because like it's it's probably going to have like subtitles, which I prefer sub over dub. Um, And like. I just like, yeah, because I I ran into this because I watched Alice in Borderlands, which I really fucking liked. But that was a that was not a passive show. I couldn't like watch that while I was doing work. Like I had to be like fully invested in that because otherwise you were gonna miss something really important. And like I just haven't had the desire to put the investment into it. With Star Trek, Star Trek is like such an important part of like my love of all things. Like I've loved Star Trek since I was a little kid. So like Star Trek always gets time no matter what. Like I will. It'll be like, you have, you know, more important things to do. No, 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 no. Star Trek has been good to me for a very long time. I will make time for it. And, like, I wasn't feeling well uh, yesterday. No, it was the day before. Jeez, I'm all confused now on what day it is. Uh, like, Thursday night when it released on uh, Paramount+. Plus, and I was like, I don't feel good. I really just want to go to bed. And, like, the Star Trek side of my brain was like, get up off your ass and go watch Star Trek, you piece of shit. How dare you? <laughs> After all that Star Trek has done for you, you can't. And I'm like, okay, fine, God. You like, would abandon it in its time of need. <laughs> yeah. So I laid there, like bundled in my blanket, like shivering to death because I was like, I had like a cold or something, and I'm still like getting over it. But like, yeah, no. And I, I, I powered through it, and that makes it sound like it wasn't a good episode. The first episode was was pretty solid. Like, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it, and like, yeah. Uh, Star Trek always gets gets time for me. Um, and we haven't even introduced our guest. Holy shit. And this is the paid version. This is the part where people pay for this. We need to do <laughs> formal stuff. Uh, oh, we, we get have... paid? Oh, no, no, we don't get paid shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing this for free now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't part of the if deal. If you want to pull that ripcord, now's the time. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just uh, throw this into my charitable donations. Uh, at tax season. Hey, it's a it's a good opportunity to grow your brand or whatever dumb shit people say to make you do free shit. Um, <laughs> so, Rambo, please, uh, since you know this guest so much more intimately than I do, would you please introduce our guest for this week's series of podcasts that we're doing? Oh, yeah. This is my friend Nina. Hi. <laughs> no, uh, me and Nina went to college together. Um... She is a lovely lady um, and a very experienced designer and 
illustrator and animator and all the things uh and the lead singer and a fucking badass power metal band uh called santa thunder and they have a a, a new album dropping very soon i'm very excited about Thank you. um but yeah yeah get the promo new shit well i'm excited now hang on let me oh, i was excited anyways but now i'm very even more cool. excited so excited that i'm gonna take notes so i can talk about it on the big podcast really? um Nina, mm-hmm. first off, I want to make sure I'm not horribly butchering your last name. Uh, Asageta? Cool. Yeah, Asageta, yeah. Asageta, okay. Yeah, Asageta. Make it easy. Thank you very much. Nina Asageta, mm-hmm. your band, if I remember correctly, Sound of Thunder? A Sound of Thunder, yes. A, a not just like, any sound. It yeah, is, like the Ray Bradbury story. Sound, ooh, nice. Sound of Thunder. Which one of you nerds? Uh, they, uh, Josh and Chris, my guitarist and and uh, drummer, they came up with the band name before I joined, and I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. <laughs> I figured fine. it was either going to be a super involved story, or it was going to be like, yeah, I don't know, somebody thought it sounded cool. Yeah, uh, so Josh and Chris were in a cover band before they were like, oh, this is boring, let's make our own music, and so they were like, yeah, let's make a band called... A Sound of Thunder, based on our, you know, their favorite uh, Ray Bradbury short story. So they did, and then they got into the business of finding a singer and a bass player. And I was very, um, like, I saw an ad. I saw them performing at like an open mic with their first singer, and I was like, oh, I can fix this. So I auditioned, and you know, <laughs> of course they picked me. And then it co- took a couple of years before we found our bass player Jesse. But once we got him, we were like no one leads this band unless it's in a body bag because it's so hard to find band members that you actually like being around i just think it's fantastic that you're just like i can fix these guys shit. hang on oh yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much like i heard a lot of what's the word um potential in their music um i, I you know the, the, i think the first song i heard was um discovery and i was like i hear potential in this music but like they need a singer, and also they need like to cut this song in half. Because <laughs> my my guitarist and bass player, and um, actually everybody but me, they really love prog music, and prog music is like long for no reason. So I'm always like, let's cut this in half and get to this, the point. <laughs> this feels self-indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm all about self-indulgence but i'm like i don't think this intro needs to be that long and i don't think we need 10 verses <laughs> <laughs> yeah that seems like a lot yeah god damn it my fucking cat is at the door of my studio hold on oh. <laughs> that's what that was shit <laughs> you knocking on the door yeah i wasn't sure if it was coming through i love it i love it <laughs> God damn it, James, pay attention to me. My babies are busy uh, tormenting my husband, so I'm free. So let me ask let me ask you, Nina, like that is a massive list of, of shit you're good at. Thank like, you. And, like visual artist, like graphic designer, like not mm-hmm. only that, you're a fucking lead singer in a metal band. Like yeah. what don't you do? What aren't you good at? Um, not much. Uh, <laughs> and modest? <laughs> Modesty. I'm not good at that. Um, uh, I mean, interview questions. What are your weaknesses? I care too much. 
Uh, yeah, I know, like, my weaknesses, I don't have a lot of those. Um, well, I will say, like, for now, right now, my, my biggest weakness is my left arm, because <laughs> I have hypermobility, so my arms dislocate a lot, and uh, my husband and I recently bought a new house, and the first thing I did, as soon as I had stairs, was fall down them, and horribly dislocate my left arm. So oh I had God. to have surgery, and uh, the price of that surgery is like six months of a shitty arm so i have a crappy left arm right now and that is my current weakness so for all of you out there who are wondering how you could challenge nina it would be in the six month period because if you don't <laughs> do it now yeah we'll be unstoppable yeah ex i mean it's true yes there, there's very little that can stop me uh after i got hit by a bus it took me three months before i was running 5ks again wait so. hang on back up what oh yeah <laughs> That, that's yeah, true. That was uh, <laughs> 2019, I guess. Um, I got into an accident where I was T-boned by a bus and my car like rolled a couple of times. I broke my pelvis in three places and I was like wheelchair bound for a couple of months. But it, this happened on July 4th and by Thanksgiving I was running like a turkey trot. Wow. That's impressive and i'm i'm just proud of myself that i woke up before nine o'clock this morning like, i mean that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's super impressive um wow so there go all my notes because now i want to know about all the other crazy shit that's happened i um, call this, uh, being an a-type personality that's that's fair that makes sense um, so tell me a little bit more about your band, because, I mean, we have talked before briefly mm -hmm. on social media, but never mm -hmm. like in depth like we're doing today in this intimate, lovely podcast setting here. So yes. A Sound of Thunder, that's your band. You guys are dope as shit. I've heard your stuff. Um, the new the new album that's coming out, what is the it, title? It's called The Crimson Cult. <laughs> and uh, this was inspired because um, during the pandemic, uh, like when it first started, you know, everybody was staying home and not allowed to see each other. So me and the guys spent a good, at least six months without ever seeing each other. And it was very hard on all of us. And when we finally were able to see each other again, we were kind of just jamming on um, like music. Like that's how we write our music. We just start jamming. And it was very like doomy and old school and like very kind of depressing sounding and we were like I think these are our feelings so we wrote this album based on the things we were feeling pretty much during the pandemic and it was at first going to be my guitarist who had this whole plan he was like all right you guys you know we can't go to our producer in Texas because he's in Texas and nobody can travel so we're gonna do this like low-key garage sounding album and that was like the goal but then Josh was like, well, we want it to be a garage album, but we don't want it to sound bad. So we wound up just flying my producer out to here and recording the album at an Airbnb. So we like, it, 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 it's a full length album. And it, it, what the plan was that it wasn't going to be, you know, uh, this high def album like we always do, but it wound up being that anyway, so. That's what you're getting. Oh no! Please no! Don't give us a album, but we don't want it to sound bad. Yeah, I, I mean it's kind of funny because we're listening to bands from the '80s that have this very raw, hard sound, and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we're going for. Except, you know, with good recording, so more polished. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to sound, you know, like heavy and raw, but yeah. you know, polished. Raw, but at polished, the same raw. time, yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Um, no, I'm you. not an audiophile like a lot of people. So when I listen to old 80s recordings, I'm like, this is fine. I don't see the problem. But, you know, people are so used to a certain clean sound and certain tone when they listen to um, recorded music now that if you do come out with like a garage type recording it immediately repels a lot of people so yeah I, okay i just came up with an analogy you know what this is you said you wanted it to be raw but you wanted it to be polished like mm-hmm. sort of kind of cooked so it's the ceviche of metal albums there you go i love ceviche that works for me <laughs> see there you go you're welcome <laughs> yeah and i know that number one person who would be irritated by the way the album would sound would be josh Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. He He's always the one that he's like, OK, you guys, here's the um, here's the newly uh, mixed version of this song. Send me your notes. And me and the guys, we I'm like, I don't know. I sound kind of wonky on this first. You know what? Maybe one note. Josh has like a page of notes. <laughs> like, you just just take care of that shit yourself. <laughs> Now, I can I can appreciate that, too. Like as when we were doing like our we did like some plays um, like in podcast form and going through and editing it um, and doing all of the sound effect and all the sound work, I would put little subtle things in and I'd play it for somebody. I'd be like, hey, what'd you think of this? And they're like, yeah, it was good. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like, like literally there's there's so many. Yeah. No, no, no. It was fine. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I can I mean, live but, with this. Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. Yeah. Um, so, OK, so new album, uh, The Crimson Cult. When does this come out? Uh, we don't have a hard date on its release yet because uh, we wound up. I don't know how to, how to put this like um, we have a lot of really good friends that are extremely talented at things like videography. So one of them we met in Catalonia and he's an amazing videographer and director. And he was like, hey guys, I was just wondering, could I make you guys some music videos? And we're like, yeah, sweet, cool. And we're like, here's our budget. And wound up being a bit more over budget, but then we saw what he was filming and we were like, oh man, this is really good. (laughs) So we're waiting until the videos are finished. And then I think we're gonna like, figure out how to um how to release the album but it's going to be out next year maybe in january i don't know i can't say like exactly january but it's probably going to be next year around january i gotcha okay so i mean like it's not the advantages of doing this more or less independently uh from like a big label is you have the flexibility to make sure that it's right there's no push or pressure for like it has to be released on this day at this time like absolutely this is yeah. exactly like that's exactly it and our kickstarter supporters understand that like like I, I can't remember which one this is we've done kickstarters for all of our albums since the second album and we've never had complaints because we tend to like uh i would say within a year usually our our supporters get their stuff and in between that they're always getting updates like we're sending them videos we're like hey this is where we are in the process um, this is actually our first album where most of the album wasn't already recorded when we did the Kickstarter. Most of the time, we'll have already recorded the album, and the Kickstarter is for uh, 
basically back paying ourselves. <laughs> we don't pay ourselves, but we have to pay for the recording and all of the uh, manufacturing. So um, this is the first time where we actually had to raise enough to cover all of the recording costs and everything else. So yeah, they're getting updates. Um, it'll be next year, but uh, our, I think our, I think we already sent out the first song that we sent ahead of time. It was a beach murder party. So all our Kickstarter supporters already have a song from the album. Oh, I mean, and great title too, Beach Murder Party. Like, Thank you. Yeah. 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 So when when it comes to, and I got, I have so many questions because I'm such a huge music fan. Like, sure. if, what like what inspires you when it comes to music itself? Because is it is it one of those things where it was like it's, I feel like especially with people who are artists, and especially since you're an artist in a, in a couple of different disciplines, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll talk to people and there's a kindred spirit there in the sense of, I have to do something. Like I, I have these feelings, I have this, these thoughts, they have to be put down somewhere, whether it be paper, whether it be sung, whether it be um, drawn, written, whatever it is. Is that is mm-hmm. that part of where you come from with this? And this is just your way of self-expression? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say that for a long time, I knew I wanted to be a singer, but I didn't know what kind. So I bounced, like growing up, I did every kind of singing I could get my hands on. And by the time I was in college, I was like, um, I did I did opera, I sang with the Washington Opera as a kid, and I did like gospel music, you know, choir music, all that kind of stuff, and musical theater. And I didn't know, like, I knew I loved singing, but I didn't really know where my passion was. And then my husband took me to a Dragon Force concert. And I was like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Because it, like, took everything I loved about music, the expression, the theatricism, the, I don't know if that's a word, the the theatrics. Um, And then the metal. And there is just a feeling I get when I listen to heavy metal that hits me somewhere in my little black soul heart. I don't know, but (laughs) it's just a feeling that's irreplaceable. So when I saw what they were doing and then I started listening to some different bands, I was like, this is what I want to make. I want to be that guy. Uh, And I want to write songs about things that I like. So it's and I've always been a writer like I've always written like lyrics and poetry and you know stories and I'm like the idea of taking my stories and putting them into song and then making it music that I would want to listen to that's like the best feeling in the world because we're, we're really just making stuff that we would want to listen to and become it's like becoming your own hero you know yeah no I, I totally understand that too because that's Ultimately, like getting into writing, getting into like because I during pandemic, uh, thanks to Mr. Rambo here, um, I really dove into trying to teach myself how to do digital art well. Not great. Like I'm still getting there. But like it was one of those things where I see things and I'm like, hey, I could be doing something like this. Well, what's stopping me? Well, now I have nothing but time because I can't leave the house. Yeah. And like it's yeah, you become you create the things that you want to create. It's the same exactly. thing with this website. It's the same reason why we did this. Like I got tired of hearing people the the whole story behind like the creation of GGR was like I was at a comic book convention 
and I heard these nerds ripping on this girl who was dressed like Princess Leia. They were like, oh, she shouldn't be wearing that outfit. Look at this, you know, she's, and like, it made me so mad because it was like, dude, she's either dressed like that because one, she's a huge fan and had enough bravery to dress like that. Or two, Mm -hmm. like her significant other or friend like convinced her to do this and she's doing it for them. I was like, Mm -hmm. and you got to shit on her for that? Like, that's not, that's not what geekdom was meant for, dude. Like it wasn't meant for you to just judge everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. Like, create the thing that you want instead of hoping that somebody else might do it. Yeah, that's pretty much it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at sometime next year. Um, mm-hmm. how is it? How hard has it been for you guys since you haven't really? I mean, have you been able to play any live shows? We have done one live show, uh, and we're at this point where in this area, like the DC area, there aren't a lot of uh, heavy metal venues left. Um, and there aren't a lot of smaller venues left either. So like, we're not about to sell out the Fillmore, but you know, we can fill up a small club. So there, there's just not a lot of clubs left. Um, uh, I would say Baltimore has a really, really good heavy metal scene, but we're trying to bring it home. You know, we live in Northern Virginia in the DC area. So I'm not trying to go to Baltimore every time I want to play a show. So, uh, we, we played a show at the, uh, at this place called the pie shop in DC which is a really, really great venue. They've got two floors. You know, the first floor is the actual pie shop. And then upstairs is this great bar with a great vibe and a little stage. And it's got just enough room for like a band and a nice crowd. So that was a good show. We did that on on uh, Halloween, on Halloween night. So that was our only show of 2021. And we don't have any shows planned for next year yet. Jeez. And that how how hard has that been for you guys since the pandemic started? Like, were you guys playing a lot of live shows before? Oh, yeah. Like, well, I wouldn't say a lot. We, we've tried to, like, cut down on our shows and make it so that the only ones we play are the shows that are worthwhile. And I say that because a lot of our fans will travel. We had people traveling from Las Vegas and Michigan to go to this show on the 31st. And we're not going to play a show and have fans come from that far away only to play like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you know? We wanna give our fans what they deserve. So we have to be very picky with our shows and like only play shows where we have an actual stage, um, a set time that is more than three songs, things like that. Yeah. Is it? Is it something that like you're now at the point? Because I mean, you just said you know, like I, I wish we could find some local stuff. I, I wish we could yeah. find some things in the in the Northern Virginia DC area where we could play. And there's really just not many clubs that do metal anymore, which yeah. sucks. Yeah. But like, I'm wondering how much of that has to do with the fact that like because of what's going on, because of the fact that we're still in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, venues closed because of the pandemic. Um, We used to have this little place in D.C. called The Pinch, and that place was nasty, but it was a great metal venue. Like, you know, it it didn't have a stage, (laughs) but I was still excited to play there because it had such a great vibe. I don't know what it was about that place, but there really aren't a lot of places like that anymore. And for big shows, like when you – 
have the big bands come, the international bands. A lot of the time we used to open for international bands at a venue closer to ours. And, you know, then we get to play on a big stage. But those shows are much fewer now because it's more difficult for people to travel. And also um, those bands are strapped for cash because they haven't been able to tour a lot. And a lot of uh, bands on labels get most of their money from touring. They don't really make any money recording. They make money on T-shirt sales. And so you've got these bigger bands that are playing these big shows, and they will bring maybe three up to four openers with them, four, three or four other bands. And those bands pay to open for the big bands. So the big bands are making a living, allowing smaller bands to open for them. And then that leaves no room for local bands. So like, you know, we're local to this area, but we can't open for one of these bigger bands because they already brought like three or four openers. So it would be too long. So that's cutting off a lot of opportunities for local bands to uh, grow their audience the way we used to. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the whole music industry was always like i wouldn't say foreign but it just it seemed like very confusing to me the way it worked because i would uh -huh. hear things like that that like yeah you know we're selling a lot of albums or yeah we have a million listens on uh spotify or uh -huh. whatever and you're not making any money i mean you yeah. are but not a lot and that's what was shocking to me i was like that's so contrary to the way you think it would work now like because i've definitely gone to concerts and i'm like man it's that much for a t-shirt well mm -hmm. forget it i'm not gonna pay that but now i kind of want to because you're telling me that it's like t-shirt sales is where you make most of your money pretty much yeah so like if you are on a major label the bands um okay basically what happens is the label will say okay band here's ten thousand dollars record an album and i don't need i don't I don't know who needs to hear this, but it does not cost $10,000 to record an album, not with a good, you know, producer and sound recording. It costs at least $20,000 for most good albums. So they, they don't give you enough money to record the album, which means the band has to raise the rest of the money themselves. And then when the album does come out, the band doesn't get most of the profits because they have to pay back that $10,000 that they made. And then they're getting a small percentage of the album sales and you know albums don't really make much money anymore right now what's making money is streaming and they're getting you know you get pennies for every stream and those pennies are going to the label and then the label decides that you get a tiny sliver of that so really what the band is making money on is uh, selling merch on the road and um, bands paying them for the privilege to open for them <laughs> so yeah, a lot of these bands aren't making much at all money. Like, you know, even the big bands, like Amano Marth, these guys aren't living the life of luxury, you know? It's just impossible. I Wow, I would have figured Amano Marth, like, a bigger name in the... <laughs> wow, really? They're not? No, no, they're not living a life of luxury. They're making, like, you know, maybe... Because they live in Europe, so their yeah. lives are much better than ours in general. But <laughs> so they... And also, here's a fun fact about the music industry in Europe. Um, there are a lot more metal bands in the um, uh, Nordic countries because um, those some of those countries have uh, 
I don't know how you call it. It's like a grant or something where they will pay musicians to make music. So like if you're an artist and you are actively pr uh, providing a service to represent your nation with your art, they actually pay you like, oh, you know, like enough money to live. So they're living like, a, I would say a, a nice middle-class lifestyle and they get to make music for a living. Whereas us Americans, we have to like have a regular job and then like make music where we can if we want to live a regular middle-class lifestyle. Most American musicians live extremely poor. Um, they're on yeah. the road all the time. They're not living a middle-class lifestyle. They're like surfing on couches and yeah. yeah, it's not great to be a musician in America. No, it's yeah. Yay capitalism. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just looking up one of my favorite bands right now to see if they fall into that same category. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Children of Bodom is also being paid by the Finnish government too. Yeah, probably. They're probably getting a little bit from the government to you know to live, and of course because they're in Finland, I believe they have universal health care. So you know a oh. lot of the stuff that we as Americans worry about, uh, these European bands don't really have to worry about. So. No wonder they fucking rock so hard, man. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty <laughs> much it. Yeah, they have way more of a thriving music scene um, as opposed to us because we do music as a hobby and they can do music as a living. With nothing to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I think, Rambo, I think we've talked about this before where like just the whole concept of if there was universal health care that you literally could do whatever job you wanted because like, I wouldn't be working in a corporate environment as a corporate trainer teaching kids how to do some job that I've been doing for 10 years if I had my own health care. Like, that's the only reason I do it is I have mm -hmm. a family and I need to make sure that they have health care and that we have money. Like, if I could actually do what I wanted to do, just like, that's so crazy to think. Like, you want to talk about like what would stimulate the economy or whatever bullshit that nobody understands how it works. You have universal health care and that changes everything. People Absolutely. work where they want to work instead of working where they have to work. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 When you're, when you're not worried about whether or not you'll be able to get your medication, if you leave this job, mm -hmm. you have so much more freedom, but yeah. because you have to, like, I, I ran into a situation last night where I got a letter from CVS, um, because CVS Caremark is who I have, who, who my insurance company uses for our prescriptions and i have been getting my prescri prescriptions filled at walgreens and they were like so fyi um you need to be doing 90 day prescriptions uh and you also have to get them serviced at cvs or you will have to pay for them 100 percent out of pocket wow <laughs> i'm like y'all have some fucking balls yeah <laughs> i'm like well i guess i'm going to cvs then yeah but yeah, it's like, no, no, we're, but I, I, I mean, I say this, even though I know that capitalism uh, uh, breeds competition. Um, so clearly I'm misunderstanding something. There's well, some, it, some you know, capitalism breeds competition, but when you're talking about art, like there's no need for art to be competitive. Thank you. The more art and music you have out there, the more people will be able to pick and choose what they like. 
so like with heavy metal, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that there's still a thriving metal scene in America. And that's because we don't have a, uh, it's not as saturated as other types of music. The only time you're hearing a metal band, if you go out usually, is if there's a cover band and they're just playing the same songs that you've heard on the radio. Um, but there are some independent, like, uh, metal bands that do exist that are trying to make this dream happen. And it's unfortunately not going to happen for most of the bands because they don't have the, uh, the necessary freedoms that bands from Europe have. Well, I will tell you this. Um, I may end up having to help you uh, not help. That's uh, as, like implying that you couldn't have done it on your own. Uh, a cousin of mine who lives in England they was instrumental in starting a radio station out there because there wasn't any metal radio stations in England. Yeah. Uh, it's called primordial radio. Very cool. And, and like, yeah, I might have to like share this with you and see if you, we can get a uh, sound of thunder out there because like they have a huge community and like awesome. at this point, fuck it, you know, like yeah. maybe if you can't, yeah, you find an audience in Europe and then all of a sudden, like, there you go. Just like, Oh, Oh, let me tell oh, you about have, a European, European audience. audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fun story, uh, a few years ago. Okay. So let me start at the beginning. Um, my mom is from Catalonia, which is yeah. basically the Scotland of Spain. And huh. a few years ago, putting it. yeah. And so a few years ago, they were trying to vote for independence. Uh, and at that exact time in the fall, I think it was 2017, uh, me and my band were doing our, we're, we're working on uh, a Kickstarter for the album we were about to release. It was called, uh, It Was Metal. And one of the songs on that album is a heavy metal version of the Catalonian national anthem that nice. I wanted to do for my mom because the anthem is actually super metal. Like I looked up the lyrics and I was like, this is super metal. We got to write a song. So we did a heavy metal version. And then the Catalonians tried to vote for independence. And I was like, uh, you know, this would probably be a good time. You know, we're going to do this Kickstarter in a few days here. Why don't we release the song for free on YouTube as just like showing them our support? Um, yeah, so we did that and we did it at like, I don't know, sometime in the afternoon. And by the next morning, like at five in the morning, Josh is calling me like, you got to wake up. You got to interview with the radio station in Spain and, uh, they're, they want to talk to you. They got a translator. And I was like, wait, what's going on? And the song had gone viral overnight and it went so viral. It was like on the evening news okay. and protesters were still protesting after the independence vote. They were protesting for weeks and people were blasting our song at these protests. So we became part of this protesting in a way and we, we were like thanking them and all this kind of stuff happened. And then because of the whole vote scandal, um, a bunch of politicians were put in prison. And so the Catalonian people wanted to raise money for their bail. And to do this, they put on a big show at the Olympic Stadium that was going to be televised all over Spain. So they invited us to that to play. And we were so like, fucking cool. this is the biggest event of our lives. So we're like, hell yeah. So we we scheduled this. Um, I think it was November. We look, This is how fast it went. We came out with the song in like, I think it was October 1st. Yeah. And then in by November, we were like, we got to go to Spain and 
and we don't want to waste our time just playing one show. So let's book a, let's book a tour. (laughs) So we booked this tour in Catalonia that went to all the provinces and it was like the most successful tour of our life. We played these amazing shows with these bands and we were worried that people would only want us to play the one song. And it turns out that they knew all of our songs. So we have an amazing fan base in Europe. The problem is we can't get there right now because of COVID. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and let me tell you about the UK because we had plans to go to the UK before we ever planned on going to Europe. And man, if you thought it was difficult before Brexit for any independent band to play in the UK, it is now pretty much impossible because they're, man, the rules for being a, I guess, a guest worker in the UK are so insane. It's just, it's easier for us to play in Ireland than the UK because they're part of the EU and the EU is like great to musicians. We can just go there and play, but you can't do that in the UK. More problems with Brexit as we come to find out that this yeah. is just an absolute disaster from the start. Oh, yeah. total disaster. Like, it was bad before trying to figure out how to get a work visa to play, like, two shows. Now it's like, I'm, you know what, I'm not even going to bother. We love you, our UK fans, but y'all, you got to vote out this crap because it's so hard for bands to visit. See, see, I thought I was like going to be like, hey, here's this thing that you guys could, you know, help grow your, your, you're like, nah, fuck, we're <laughs> famous because we helped start a, a rebellion in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't help start it. We just kind of uh, rode the wave. You were the anthem. It, it you provided the soundtrack. Yeah, there we provided go. a soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah, the soundtrack for, for rebellion, which is dope as shit. Thank um, you. Yeah, so Nina, this is, yeah, there's so much more that I want to know, but like, let's also do podcasting things here too. Um, You're a big Star Trek fan. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're also going to talk about food, because who doesn't like food, right? I love food. Exactly. So all of you who have been listening, we appreciate you. Uh, In fact, we're going to make this episode available for everybody. So everyone, enjoy. Hooray. Don't have to pay. Free episode for all. Uh, Because mostly because we want everybody to know these awesome stories um, about your amazing band and this, like, that's, that's so amazing. Like Rambo, just imagine for a second that we had some podcast that we did that people were like, fuck yeah, now we're going to riot. And they were like, <laughs> at, at the diner. And I like, what? Like, that's insane. Like yeah. to have that kind of impact on the world is just amazing. So it's so pretty wild. To, to y'all. Thank you. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and we'll get started. We're going to be talking food, uh, mostly Thanksgiving side dishes. We actually have a bracket a tournament style competition of the best side dishes that come at Thanksgiving. So we'll be doing that, but we're also going to be talking Star Trek. We're going to be talking other things that we are super excited about. That's going to be coming out here soon. So make sure you tune into the next episodes of at the diner uh, for myself, for Mr. James Rambo, for Mr. MC Brooks, who's on location right now in New York city covering. Um, I think it's, what did he say? It's NY anime. Uh, I can't NMA, remember. Uh, NYMYC. Anime NYC, yeah, he's he's there covering that for us, doing doing the hard work that nobody else wants to do, you know, because I'm sure he's not enjoying the convention at all. There's no way that he's no, enjoying. Your labor. It. Yeah, yeah, just hard working, man, sacrificing. 
But yeah, for all of you out there, again, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. And as we always end every single podcast, remember, together, there are no heights we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!